Well, we're gonna take a few minutes and study the scriptures, and before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. And as we're starting this message, I want to give a special greeting to people who are going to be listening by podcast um, and invite you, if you're coming to Messiah Conference, to come to my session 11 o'clock Monday. The title of the session is, Is God Really a Foodie? And it is gonna be a lot of fun and very interesting. The congregation here has heard some of this, but we've um, amped it up a bit and, and Sandy's helped me get ready. And we even have foodie prizes for people there. Yeah, so 11 o'clock in the main auditorium at Messiah Conference on Monday. And then I'll be one of the closing speakers Saturday night. So if you're a podcast listener and you're listening via podcast and you're going to be there, come up and introduce yourself to me. I'd be glad to say hello to you and to greet you. So the Torah portion this week speaks about the way that the spies missed opportunity. And they not only missed opportunity for themselves, but they contributed to the entire community missing their opportunity to go into the land. And I think it's an important story about how problems of the heart affect our perceptions, our attitudes, our perspective, the way that we communicate with other people, our desires, our confidence, and what we end up doing and experiencing. The heart is not so trustworthy. And the assessments that we make when we have wayward hearts will also be off target. And so I wanna encourage you to read this week's Torah portion, the Haftorah, the Brit HaKadoshah, read it uh, on your own time. Make sure that you spend time, take extra time to explore the details and the sections that catch your attention. But today, in light of that, I wanna connect it to the Haftorah reading that is in Matthew 9 and 10, and then we'll look at a parallel passage in, in Luke as well. And so you can turn to Matthew chapter 9, and I want to practice something I did for a number of years. If you have a Bible with you, old school, can I see it? Congratulations to everyone who loves paper books. The Bible, the book, the book of books. And those of you who are part of the Digerati generation, can I see your Bibles? Great. I've got dozens of Bibles on this one. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Yeshua went through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's an important detail and healing every disease and sickness. This is interesting because some people think that um, the healing power of God was only, was only enabled when Yeshua hung on the cross, but he actually was healing people prior to that. Verse 36, when Yeshua saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them. And you'll notice that this is parallel to um, 
what we had read last week. It, it, it connects. And um, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. And they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, I want to point out that, that there are two groups that are being addressed or identified here. The first group is the crowd. Say that with me. The crowd. And the second group is what? The disciples. That's right. And so the crowd he has compassion towards because they're harassed and helpless. They're sheep without a shepherd. There are a lot of them, but they're in trouble. And so he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now why don't you tell the person sitting next to you what Yeshua said? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Uh, Look them in the eye. Look her in the eye and say, the harvest is plentiful. Go ahead, yeah, get that eye. Yeah, do what you gotta do, get their attention. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Okay, that was Yeshua's assessment. And then here's the solution. What do you do in light of that? Ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest. That's what Yeshua told his disciples. He said, the harvest is ready. The workers aren't ready. So here's what to do. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send out workers. I've... I've, had similar experience where I was praying in this way and I was saying, Lord, send out workers. And the prayer that I was praying had this form, send him, send her, send them. Yeshua was saying there's a great opportunity but the human resources are limited. Therefore ask the Lord, the Lord of the harvest for workers for the harvest. That is so simple, isn't it? You identify the situation, you identify the opportunity, you recognize your your resourcefulness, and then you pray for the gap. You pray that God will fill the gap with more workers. And I believe that the disciples entered into prayer and said, oh Lord, Yes, send workers. Now let's jump to Matthew chapter 10, verse five. It says, these 12, who are the 12? The disciples. These 12 Yeshua sent out with the following instructions. Don't go onto the road of the nations or enter any town of the Samaritans, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The disciples had prayed, Lord, send the laborers. And then the Lord answered their prayers. And this is one of those times you can only say, look out. You know, look out when you're in this situation and you're praying like this. Because you may be praying, Lord, help them. And the Lord said, I will. Empty your wallet. Mm. 
my wallet. I meant you help them. <laughs> but interestingly, the scripture says those who give to the poor are lending to the Lord. He said, I, I, okay, I will. I'll pay you back later. There are times, there are uh-oh times. These are times when you pray sincerely, not thinking through what the answer might be. And then the answer comes and it's from the Lord and it makes demands on you and it's just, uh-oh. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one who's had one of these uh-oh moments. Who else has, has been through this? God answered you to your chagrin or surprise. So Yeshua answers and he's training, he's preparing his disciples for the great messianic mission of the era, which is to bring redemption to the whole world. And you start where you are and you have to reach out beyond that. And we have to remember that even today. We start where we are and we reach out from there. And God will give you who he will give you. And if you're faithful with the assignments that God gives you now, then you can expect he will enlarge the assignments to you and give you more responsibility and more opportunity. However, if you waste the opportunity now, you may lose all your hopes and dreams from being fulfilled. This is a great moment where the disciples are learning, okay, take a very specific assignment, go to our people. And then you remember after Yeshua was resurrected, he said, go into all the nations. <laughs> and I had the feeling the disciples were going like, uh-oh. <laughs> because this is the moment when Yeshua says, okay, you go into all the nations and make disciples of all the nations. I'm going back to heaven. <laughs> and they're going, oh man, look out. Yeshua is showing his love, the need for preparation, the need for open hearts, and the disciples can only be effective when they don't make everything about themselves and how they feel and what they think, and they don't assume that they grasp even the big picture, but they're willing to accept the assignments with an open heart and to do with excellence that which has been placed before them. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. And then Yeshua ups the ante, and he says, don't carry any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the road or a second tunic or sandals or staff for the worker is worthy of his provisions. <laughs> you know, that's just not fair. <laughs> we were only praying for harvesters, people who had that special anointing, you know, that call those outward people, those people who, who never met a stranger. I mean, maybe you've had this response where you say, well, I know that person's good at sharing the gospel because they'll talk to anybody. But me, I'm kind of shy. How many of you have ever argued with the Lord based on your temperament or personality? 
Lord, you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> you want the other guy, not me. Moses did that, didn't he? Uh, but I, 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 I'm not good at this. Lord said, you'll be fine. If you need help, take your, big, take your brother with you. He'll help you. You're not getting out of this. And when your heart is right, you say, I don't want to get out of it, Lord. I want to do it. I want to be faithful. I don't want to be limited by my fears or my resources. And the Lord creates a resource deficiency as the condition for this ministry. And why is he doing that? Because he knows this will will teach them something if they'll just obey him and do what he says. They will learn that it's not necessary to have more and more stuff in order to be effective with more and more people. Some people are unhappy today because they don't have enough money. And they're saying, if I had more money, then I'd tithe. If I had more money, then I'd give. And the fact is, if you can't give from a little that you have, you'll not give when you have more than that. If you can't give faithfully with your current situation, you won't give faithfully if it increases. Because the hoarding mentality and the poverty mentality are just two faces to the same, to the same coin. Hoarding for ourselves and thinking what we have is never enough and living in poverty and insufficiency. They're the same. Now, you can be poor and not be ruled by poverty. You can have nothing. That's what Yeshua is teaching them. You can go with nothing, and I'll take care of you. I mean, all the young people here experience this on a daily basis. They don't own any food. They don't own any kitchen cooking equipment. They don't even own their own bedroom. They are broke. <laughs> and even if they have money, it couldn't pay for their daily needs, right? Parents, right? They are broke. And yet every day they live like they're not. <laughs> I'm telling the truth, right? I want to move to a parallel passage in Luke 9. And we're looking at this, it's in contrast to the spies who went out and they, they said, we're grasshoppers. You know, in, in Florida, we got big grasshoppers. So, in fact, Sandy took a picture of one yesterday and I posted it on Facebook on my personal account just because it was, it was big because we have big grasshoppers. However, what they were saying is we're, we're, we're tiny in the sight of these giants. And they allowed their fearful response to limit them and they communicated that fear rather than open-heartedness and open-mindedness and confidence in God and trust in the one who was giving the assignment. They closed down and not only did they close down, they closed everyone down that they possibly could. 
It was a terrible effect that they had on people and a lasting effect, and we learn a lot from it. But in this case, the disciples aren't closing down. They're opening up. The, the rigors are great, but they're doing what they're told to do the way they're told to do it. So Luke chapter 9, verse 6. And so they set out, and they went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. They set out, they went. The disciples' hearts were open. They received the assignment. They followed the instructions. They went, they did, they preached, they healed. And you know what happened? Their own hearts were enlarged and they were strengthened. They received what Yeshua had in his heart. If you really want to do well in life, hang out with people who have more vision than you have for yourself. They will challenge you because they will say, you can do more than you are comfortable with. If you hang out only with people who have less vision, they'll tell you you can't even do what you think or know you can do. So you choose. Which pressure do you want to be on, under? The disciples received what was in Yeshua's heart. His imagination, his faith, his expectation, his confidence spread to them and they could do more because they were with him and their hearts were open to him. And Yeshua didn't just look at them and say, you know what, these guys, they're, they're hard to lead, they're difficult, they're challenging. I can't give them anything but easy assignments. If you want to advance in the kingdom of God, take the kingdom of God seriously and help it advance by receiving more difficult assignments. Not just the things that come easy to you, but do what's hard. Do what's beyond your personality and your temperament, beyond your experience, and say, Lord, I'm a willing vessel. I'm willing to see things your way. I'm willing to start. Let's go to verse seven in this passage. When Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, he was perplexed, for some were saying that John had risen from the dead. Others, that Elijah had appeared, and still others, that a prophet of old had arisen. And Herod said, I beheaded John, and who's this man I hear such things about? And he kept trying to see Yeshua. Herod had beheaded John, remember, not John the Baptist, he wasn't a Baptist. He was Yochanan who immersed. He had beheaded John, that's the backstory. And the disciples' open hearts are all the more significant given the context of danger, risk, and the assignment. Remember, proclaiming the kingdom of God was dangerous. You may not recognize this, but when you say the Lord God of Israel, is the ultimate authority, and you say that under a dictatorship that is willing to kill, you put your life in jeopardy. That's what they did. Then to verse 10, then the apostles returned. They reported to Yeshua all that they had done, and taking them away privately, he withdrew to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds found out and followed him. More crowds. He turned them all away. That's not what it says. He 
welcomed them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. As the day neared its end, the 12 came to Yeshua. This is the, the, a, a parallel passage to what we studied last week. The 12 came to Yeshua and said, dismiss the crowd so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside for lodging and provisions, for we're in a desolate place here. But Yeshua told them, you give them something to eat. And now we find out, are their hearts still open? And they are. And they say, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And they answered, unless we go and buy food for all these people, there won't be enough. And then verse 14, there were about 5,000 men there, plus women and children. So we could easily say 10,000. And Yeshua told his disciples, have everyone sit down in groups of about 50 each. Now, if your heart's not open, you know what you're going to say? Well, you, you make that announcement. You, you do that. But Yeshua said to them, you go and tell them, sit down in like groups of 50. And the disciples did so. And everyone was seated. So there's an atmosphere of open-heartedness. Do you see that? The people are open-hearted too. And taking the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven, Yeshua made a brocha, and he broke the bread and the fish, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He gave thanks to the Lord again while the resources were limited. But remember that phrase he had said, freely you have received, freely give. Yeah. I can tell you this. If you have limited resources, but you give thanks to God for what you do have, you'll see fruit in any area of your life where you do this. It can, it can touch your personal character. It can touch relationships. It can touch finances. It can touch anything. Verse 17, they all ate. They were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And compare that to the poverty spirit or mentality, afraid to give away, afraid to share. That has this idea, if I give away, I won't have enough for me. But the disciples are learning by practice, freely give because you freely received. You've received a lot. This is what sometimes we don't realize. We've already received a lot. We can give now. In the end, there's more left over than they started with. And Yeshua is teaching people to rise above their common expectations and to give love, show compassion, do acts of kindness. And he's teaching his disciples and thus us that there's another set of economic principles at play. And we need to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us with the resources we have. But we have to work hard, we have to be faithful, we have to keep our hearts clean before God. Keep a good heart and generosity. We have to stay close together too. This is not something that one person did heroically. It was groups of people who were part of a community. They joined together in service and they served as a community. The crowd was huge, 5,000 men. But that was not the community. The community was made up of the disciples. The crowd was 5,000, but the community was 12 plus one, 13. 
The community really is only made up of those who are willing to serve and to serve together. Everybody else is in the crowd. The crowd is in terrible condition. You would think if they're free of responsibility, it'd be easier, wrong. Actually, when you take responsibility before God, you get delivered of, of certain difficulties and problems. Yeshua had a wonderful way of teaching people. He taught a little, and then he created practica, where everyone had to put into practice what they learned. And then they came back and talked about it. And then they learned some more by discussing that. Then they got the next assignment. I wanna challenge you to go to the Lord and say, Lord, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, would you send me into the harvest? And forget this idea of sending somebody else who has more, but send you into the harvest. And then wherever he sends you under whatever condition, including insufficiency, go. Don't try to do it alone, do it together. And you will see good fruit. And then come tell us what God is doing. It'll go well with this. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to us and for all that you're doing. And Lord, we forget sometimes that we are declaring that you're El Shaddai, you're God Almighty. You are Adonai Elohim Tzavaot, the Lord God of hosts. You have battalions under your command. And yet we act like the situation is fearful and that you have almost nothing. We repent of that. We look to you, Lord, for assignments. Lord of the harvest, send us into the harvest that others might receive the good news of the kingdom of God. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand up for the ironic benediction. And if you're standing by yourselves, uh, move just enough so you're not alone. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you with all of his favor and giving freely to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.